0: Welcome to another segment of the PI Window on the World. As always, I'm your host, John Hansen. And this I've got to tell you, today's show is going to be very interesting. I just had a great, energized conversation with uh, Alex Sarek of... Uh Uh, valua is uh, the CMO for the organization, and of course, as you know, we're going to be talking about their DirectWorks acquisition, so I'm looking forward to getting to that discussion because I think he has some very innovative and interesting uh, thoughts with regards to the acquisition and the company's uh, strategy for growth going forward. However, a couple of housekeeping chores to tend to before we get started. First of all, we're broadcasting, as you know, over the virtual airwaves of the Talk Radio Network through our studios in New York City. And what that means is, if you're joining us now, that's fantastic, I'm glad to have you. However, if your schedule isn't conducive to tuning in right at this particular moment, that's not a problem either, because the entire segment is being recorded which means that you can listen to it on demand. And again, that's just a great feature of not just Internet radio, but blog talk radio as well. We sort of uh, broadcast to your schedule rather than ours. Now, without further delay, I want to get right to Alex A, because I think this is going to be a highly energized discussion. Alex, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks, John.
0: Well, I'm glad you're joining us, because, you know, uh, I've got to tell you, a value seems to be popping up in the news everywhere. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, uh, you know, your company had the big win in Arizona. And when I uh, interviewed Amal Josh, he he also talked about successes with companies or organizations like Quebec Hydro, Toronto's Cadillac, Fairview, and, and other notable accounts in the U.S. as well, U.S. Foods, Honey Wong, Credit Suisse, which, of course, is nothing new to you being CMO there but this this transaction or acquisition relative to direct works w- was something that you know I'd heard about three weeks ago, Of course, held off uh, doing any kind of story on it until uh, I knew the deal was finalized. but it, it it's an interesting acquisition. Based upon what we started talking about in the virtual green room moments before coming on air, and I, w- I want to r- resume that, or, uh, that that discussion because I found it interesting. I'd ask you the question: You know, is 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 the organization uh, committed to uh, I call the organic uh, uh, development? Uh, you refer to it as native integration uh, in in many areas, but also with this M and A, is it's a sign that you are also looking to acquire? Uh, capabilities outside of your own present to expand market share and uh, sort of integrate them with, uh, with what you had. And you said something very interesting. You said that the organization is committed to native integration, and when it, with the direct uh, works acquisition, it's really finding on those instances the right IT and expertise. So it sort of goes against the old practice, and I used the example Oracle, uh, acquire and assimilate approach, which is what they do with J.D. Edwards and PeopleSoft. And so if you could maybe expand on on that a little bit, because it seems that native uh, integration development is, is really something that a value is really committed to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this really goes back to our roots and I think also the direction that the market's been taking. If you look recently, there's been a lot of activity for M&A and development. And what's effectively happened in spend management is I think having a full source to pay suites has become table stakes. Uh, And companies are kind of rushing to fill out those gaps either by building new solutions themselves where they have a gap or or making acquisitions. I value actually from over a decade, we've been committed to always having a source to pay suite and kind of realize that you need to have the, you know, the the full capabilities there in the integration Uh, and we built ours natively. So it's a truly unified data model. I mean, you make one change to a supplier anywhere in the suite and you can do real time reporting and see exactly what happened anywhere throughout the entire process. Uh, And we really view that as a key differentiator and something that adds a lot of value to our customers. You know, it ensures a, you know, seamless and fully integrated source to pay process. So things like contract compliance, you know, can be automated. You can have that visibility because that touches a lot of different modules. Uh, there's a consistent user experience. Uh, you have powerful real time reporting across any in- information. Uh, and as we build upon artificial intelligence, it lets us more effectively mine insights throughout the process by having that integrated. So we're absolutely committed to maintaining that native and integration and the truly unified data model. That said, we're always looking to what we can do to accelerate innovation and add even more value to customers. So acquisitions are definitely something that we're keeping our eyes open to and DirectWorks is a great uh, recent example of that. But our focus from an acquisition is really buying you know, IP expertise and, and talent that we can then incorporate in our product. So we're not looking to buy technologies and then you know, integrate them and keep them as a you know, separate product that has integration points in and out of our suite. We're looking to take those products, incorporate their capabilities in our suite natively uh, to ensure that we're you know, maintaining that uh, you know true native integration.
0: Uh, so now let, let me ask you about this because it's kind of interesting, cause, and I'm probably dating myself a little bit here, but back in the early days of computers, before you had, let's say, the uh, the Microsoft Office, where and, and I'm using a very basic example here, Alex, where you had uh, have everything that's really seamlessly integrated between Word and Excel and, and the various uh, modules. Back in the in the CPM days, they used to have something called the perfect family, where there was a word processor, a spreadsheet, and, and, a, and a database. But they were each created by completely different organizations, and their integration uh, was was cumbersome, to say the least. It wasn't a seamless integration. In fact, you could tell that it was different. Is that what you're talking about, where many organizations now are trying to catch up and fill the gap? where they're looking at and they're saying, wait a second, we've got to we've got to get market share by meeting this requirement in in, in the industry, in the marketplace. Uh, we can't develop it uh, organically or natively, as you you call it. We can't do it internally, so we're going to acquire that, and then we're going to try to sort of fit it in, uh, almost like, and I got the impression, you know, round uh, peg into a square hole or vice versa. Whereas what you're talking about with the evaluable approach is that you've been around for 10 years, you've been around for a while, and this is more or less moving towards the alternative model like a microsoft office and i know that's overly simplistic but i mean is that a fair analogy
1: yeah i mean i'd say it is i mean this is something again i want to emphasize we've never deviated from this so it's not really a change. this is just kind of being true to our roots because it actually adds a lot of value and you know i've been in the space for over 15 years and i've seen that if you have the modules that they don't speak to each other uh, it, it breaks down the reporting, it, it breaks down your ability to track and look for opportunities. You know, and now that you know, with the big push on artificial intelligence and being able to get some really meaningful value from that, everyone talks about the nice algorithms and those are great, but it also comes down to what's the data set. If the data model is not integrated, you're automatically constrained in the type of insights you can find. So uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, and you see right now, I mean, if you're active in the space, and, and you certainly are, a lot of acquisitions taking place. And for the most part, a lot of them are they're kind of integrating them directly into their product. And, and that's disrupting the flow. Uh, they're not able to report across the modules. We're not going to do that. We're going to buy great technologies, incorporate it into our product by developing it. Uh, and of course, the you know, R&D resources from the acquisitions help us accelerate that. Um, but we want to make sure that it's completely unified experience, unified data model
0: uh, all the way through. See, so what's interesting is, and, and it sort of leads into uh, my interview with uh, Amal uh, back in April, uh, when he talked about the dawn of a new era where companies such as will begin to dominate the market uh, and its traditional big players, and I want to get on that momentarily. But your acquisition, you know, it's kind of interesting, because a lot of merger and acquisitions, as you probably know, Alex, the majority of them fail to live up to any kind of promise or expected uh, delivery uh, on, on what was, uh, was, what it was hoped for. Uh, but a lot of acquisitions are looked at from, how can I get market share and access to the client base of the company I'm acquiring? It seems that your approach to a merger and acquisition is, and I'll, uh, is an obvious statement is strategic, but you look at it from an entirely different standpoint. You're not looking at it purely from grabbing market share. You're looking at it as platform evolution and quality more than anything else, because I would imagine. Is it safe to say, if that didn't exist in the deal with DirectWorks or any potential acquisitions you do on, down the road, it doesn't matter the market size of the, the the particular company you'd be looking at. If that if it doesn't align with your native integration strategy, it's not an acquisition you would do. I mean, is that is that reasonable?
1: Uh, I'd say yes. You know, I never want to rule anything out. I don't know if we a CEO like that, but that's definitely the, the strategy at this point in the approach. Uh, and I, I think it's really an important part of our, you know, kind of the, the value proposition uh, that we have to our customers. You know, we are at our roots. You know, We're a technology company, and, and we're proud of that. And our focus has always been, and you know, our success to date, is just building a great product. Um, you know, that's why we have a, you know, over 98% industry, ever t- uh, the retention rate of our customers—it's by far the highest in the industry. I don't think anyone even comes close to that, and it's because we just make sure the product works really well. And yes, we want to grow, and we are growing, and you know, continuing to accelerate. Uh, we want to do that by making sure the product's great and it thrills our customers, not just by you know, snapping up customers and you know, forcing them to to, to use the product.
0: You know, to a degree, and, and and you know there's so many different paths I could go with this, and that's why I love these conversations. But you know, staying on track here, and again, I referred to my april interview with 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 Amal Joshi, where you know, we talked about the dawn new era and 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 dominating both the market and the traditional big players. And, and, and Amal did not disagree from from the business standpoint and and going back to what you said, this whole approach, is really what differentiates your organization from those, again, acquiring that larger market share. So so I have to ask this question. You know, what gives you the latitude? Like a is, is is not a publicly traded company, are they?
1: No, we're not. We're a privately held company.
0: Now, now that's something that- We've been profitable for many
1: years, to- and we've uh, so we've been profitable for many years and had a uh, big infusion of capital uh, that's really just growth equity from KKR earlier this year, but uh, we are still privately held and they're minority holders.
0: So you don't have the external pressures that you can that, that you have to buy market share. You're not in a catch-up uh, position. You know, I guess that's what I'm saying is that with with some of the more traditional players who have not approached or do not have this technology – Uh, approach to to native uh, integration. These organizations who have been traditional, let's say, ERP-based, which we know the challenges in that regard, you're not in a position of having to play catch-up, so you're really just coming into a maturation process as opposed to a, a transformation or evolutionary process. You know what I'm saying, Alex? It's like this is a natural growth that was going to happen, and it's happened at the right time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, our size and being privately held gives us a couple advantages. I mean, one, we can definitely be nimble, so we're big enough and we have the resources, then when we think something's important and strategic, we can act, and direct works acquisition is a great example of that, but also, you know, internal investment and development we're making now. So we can act much quicker, a lot of the bigger players, uh, but still with the resources to make meaningful impact. But we can also be, to your point, strategic and more patient. I mean, this is a company, you know, our founders are still with the company, it's a founder-like company. They're our main shareholders uh, you know, after over 16 years. Uh, in business, so, you know, we are, you know, steadily building up and making sure we have the best product, and that's the overwhelming focus. We don't have to worry about, you know, what the street says or what anyone else's expectations are. We just, uh, you know, keep investing in the product and their customers.
0: So I just wonder if that's going to be uh, the, the, the start of a new model of people going private. I mean, you know, uh, going, even, even public companies reverting back to the private state. I mean, because you, you, you don't have to worry about analysts uh, uh, coverage in that regard, you're beating a street price, which does to a certain degree influence strategy. Because, you know, I value is an interesting company. I mean, you seem to come up out of nowhere, but you've always been there. I mean, let's look at your long-term successes in the Arizona when you had, where, you know, you beat out CGI, where everyone expected that they were going to walk away with that one you know, so uh, it, 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 you you work in sort of anonymity, but now you're coming into the spotlight. Now you're coming into the mainstream consciousness. What impact will that have? Will will you ever get to the stage where you look and say, uh, well, you know what? Uh, the company may go public. The company may sell, like a Coupa, for example. I mean, or or is this your mandate to keep it in, in the foreseeable future as a private enterprise and just continue to do what you've been doing that's made you successful to this point?
1: I mean, there are no immediate plans, uh, you know, to either to sell or, or go public in the next year or so. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and forecast a few years down the road what's going to happen, and you know, what the, the priorities are. But right now, I mean, it's heads down. You know, this investment that we had, it's not to, you know, to quickly flip it in a year and, and sell it to someone else. It's to invest for the long term in the product and in our platform. Uh, so that's definitely not going to change. Um, now, as far as within the market itself, I mean, you're definitely, you've seen some, even in the industry, there have been uh, at least one case of someone going private. Uh, certainly there are some advantages to that. And to your point, you know, we have definitely been under the radar. Uh, I think the company's been so heads down in the product. I think going forward, you know, we want to keep that focus on the product as really the, the core priority of the company. Uh, but we definitely do intend to be a bit louder. We also want to start you know, driving the conversation in the market. I think it's been too... You know heavily focused by a couple you know, large players with you know, very obviously self-interested uh, you know desires and which way they want the market to discuss the requirements here. so we we definitely want to start getting louder, uh, you know, investing more heavily there in thought leadership and, and promoting the brand, but the biggest thing for us is still the the platform.
0: Got it. Now, you know one of the things that Amal said in the last interview was that companies like Ariba and Coupa never took a value seriously. And at the time, he said that with the Arizona win, he thought that, you know, the client additions and, and things that are happening, that this would all change going forward. Uh, the message, we already know from the practical standpoint what the direct works acquisition uh, means in, in terms of your overall internal strategy, but from an, uh, an external uh, standpoint, competitors looking at you, what message do you think this sends to them? Or do you even well, care? Well, the first thing well,
1: I'd say is... Uh, I, I kind of hope our competitors don't take us seriously. I mean, my comment to them is, just keep doing your thing. You know it works for us. we're doing quite well. Um, so we mainly care about the customers uh, you know taking us seriously, and that's really all the investors. So uh, you know, to your point, I don't care too much uh, about what the competitors are doing. We just want to make sure we keep focusing on what, what our customers need and you know, kind of empowering them you know today and making sure that we're the right partner for them in the future. So if we do that, I think everything else falls in place. I don't think you want to, you, you keep tabs what your competitors are doing. Uh, you know sometimes they do something interesting you want to watch, but for the most part, yeah, we kind of keep tabs on them, but uh, we're going to keep our focus where it is. and uh, I, I'm more than happy for them to not uh, take us seriously going forward. It, it's worked for us today, and uh, it will keep working for us if they do
0: that. Of course, now, of course, now when you lose a few big ones, it's going to draw people. And you are getting uh, considerably more traction, and there's certainly more awareness about a value in the marketplace, uh, just in the analysts, the bloggers that, that have emerged. I mean, they're obviously going to be looking at, at, at how they lost those uh, contracts and trying to figure out how to approach it uh, so it doesn't happen again, obviously. I, are your competitors, and I, I don't want to make this a comparison like that, but are your competitors in the position to be able to respond to that? Uh, you know, if you, if you, and we go back to, let's say, some of the ERP-based solutions and, and going back to the top of the conversation, where, you know, it, it's like we're going to get modules to get market share, but maybe to fill a gap right away, which may or may not be in line with what their strategies are. Um, You know, what, what, what do you anticipate? Is it going to become a little bit more difficult for you? now that everyone's aware of who you are and you know what i'm saying it's like a a company can work in the background quietly which is the best way to go i won't call it stealth mode but once people see that you're making tractions you're doing things everyone's going to pop up and jump jump on the bandwagon do you think that that'll create a lot of noise and distraction that could potentially cause some difficulties now that again you are on the radar screen how do you deal with that too
1: so i don't view it yeah I actually I don't view it as being a huge problem. I mean, the reality is, yes, if a competitor is laser focused on you and they're going into a sales cycle, you know proactively trying to deposition what you're good at, sure, in an individual sales cycle, you know sometimes that can cause some hiccups and a little more challenges for you. But you know the the big difference, and one of the key reasons why you know, I joined Ivalu is you know Ivalu' differentiators are actually really unique, and they're very different from the direction the market's been going. If you look at the leaders in the space, you know, everyone's kind of moved to this more rigid, you know, just get it up fast with a kind of generic configuration. Let's get a generic best-in-class configuration for our company. That's what you need. You just want to get up fast. And, you know, I think the reason why so so many of them have been losing customers to us is because companies realize after a while, you know, my needs evolve. I'm becoming more mature or, you know, I'm in an industry, I'm in public sector manufacturing that has some unique requirements. A generic solution doesn't quite maximize the value for me. Uh, and that's really iValua's niche is, you know, the architecture has been built so that, you know, it, we're offering the SaaS platform, but we have a level of flexibility that no one else can actually offer. Uh, and our ability to kind of prepackage best-in-class configurations for industries based on our learning, let us kind of go and propose, you know, we're going to give you a best-in-class suite that actually meets your requirements. And if they change over time, you're not a slave to our roadmap. You can configure it without any coding yourself if you make an acquisition, if there's a new regulatory requirement and you need to do things different. And that's a very, very different approach than what competitors have taken in the market. And I think that's not something you can just out position. It's a fundamental architecture issue.
0: So, you know, it's architecture, it's business mindset, it's business culture. I mean, that's really the the difference that's there. Because what you just use as an example is it's sort of a non-proprietary uh, uh, ma- mindset. I guess that's the best way I would put it, is that there's a lot of flexibility within your platform. And the customers now recognize that. But let me ask you this, the end users, is it, part of the su- success of Evaluant now is that the end user market is now caught up with where you were going starting 10 years ago? Do you know what I mean by that, Alex? it's like the, the, the you know, in the five years ago, how have you find the market has changed in terms of, of engaging them versus now?
1: Yeah, so I think that's definitely been part of the success, and some of the one of the reasons why, as we're growing, our growth is actually accelerating, usually the exact opposite happens. You start getting bigger, and you may still grow, but it decelerates, and, and we're actually continuing to accelerate and expect that to continue next year. And I think a big part of it is yeah, the market's kind of coming around to what we've been doing from day one. Uh, one, from you know, wanting to have the whole source-to-pay process. Now, they may not want to buy it all at once. A lot of times it makes sense to start maybe with sourcing or with a P2P, wherever your biggest pain or challenge are. But what they want the option to eventually grow into it without having you know, broken integration, having to work with different providers. Uh, and that's something we've done from the beginning. You know, the second thing is I think there is becoming more of a realization that it, generic isn't the right, there is no such thing as a one size fits it's all best in class. Companies do have some unique requirements, and while you want to get things up and running quickly, and you want them easy to use, well, you can do that and still have the flexibility to actually meet some of those unique needs. So why do you have to be you know, a slave to when the vendor wants to upgrade you, or when the vendor wants to put something in the roadmap, or not, because it's not their priority? Uh, so I think as organizations become more mature, their expectations have grown in terms of, you know, the needs that are going to be met and uh, the scope of the process. Uh, and that, you know, fortunately is, you know, the way we've you know, designed the, the company and the product.
0: Now, within the, the client, because, you know, traditionally uh, the uh, platforms, uh, procurement w- was a lead either of the finance department and was seen as an adjunct of uh, of, uh, of of finance, uh, ERP implementation, or IT and procurement was usually the, 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 the last on the list if they were consulted at all. Are you seeing that kind of mm-hmm. shift in dynamic within organizations now? Is there more of a collaborative role between, you know, finance, accounting, procurement, uh, purchasing, uh, in, in terms of, of being able to make inroads with the organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, not that the collaboration is perfect and there's not the uh, room to grow, but you know, I think that the biggest change is just that procurement has really you know, evolved into a very strategically important function as opposed to where it was you know, even a decade ago. Uh, and a lot of that's just driven by all the complexity today. You know, companies are more dependent on their suppliers than they've ever been. That supply chains have become more global and more complex than they've ever been. That's injecting risk. Uh, and when you look at like, trends like social media, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, the whole world knows about it in five seconds. And some of these companies, it can wipe billions off a brand's you know, reputation and their value. Uh, so that, and you know, the need to drive innovation from the suppliers to really kind of build an edge, uh, and of course, still manage the bottom line. Procurement is ideally situated, being at the juncture from the internal departments and the supply base and other third parties. So they become so important to organizations, and that's why you see, you know, the CPO title is now very prevalent. In the past, it wasn't. And you see CPOs really having a seat at the table. Uh, and you know, the CFOs talk to them and there's more engagement, uh, and it's a much more collaborative process than it had been in the past.
0: So so uh, this is obviously an advantage because if you look at again looking at the the uh, as you call the traditional uh, approach in the past uh, and and the competitors that with whom you're dealing a lot of them have direct ties into let's say the IT department or the finance department with the greater influence that purchasing uh, purchasing is having you have another entry point that uh, may not have been there beforehand I mean that's uh, that's a reasonable assumption as well I guess right
1: yeah, I mean, that definitely helps. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, CPL and procurement is definitely kind of the prime stakeholder. Though A lot of functions benefit and are involved in our sales cycles. So their influence is definitely a factor and you know, their need to empower themselves to be able to do what the organization expects them to do going forward has definitely been a big plus. Uh, but at the same time, i say that we are very friendly with all the departments. And I'll take, you know, the IT, CTO, CIOs as an example. we have a lot of traction with companies that are working with one ERP, um, or maybe they have multiple ERPs, and and they're looking for someone to come in and actually help them and seamlessly integrate with that and even address a lot of their master data issues. So I mean, one of the other aspects that's unique to the platform is we actually can serve as a master data management solution uh, with the unique workflows we have. So if you have multiple ERPs or different instances, we can actually serve as the, the vendor master or the item master. And you know with the approvals and the workflow, it can then automatically update all the ERPs. So we're actually helping IT clean up their own environments with uh, almost call it as an ERP wrapper, uh, but obviously addressing the source to pay process you know, specifically.
0: Okay, now so let's go back to the direct work acquisitions, uh, for example, because a lot of the wins you had, Arizona and, and previous in the past, uh, obviously direct works wasn't on the table. Uh, what will it mean, DirectWorks, to existing existing clients? Uh, w- what impact will it have on that? Because obviously they selected a value before this was, uh, you know, they're even aware that something like this could transpire. Uh, what will it mean to them? What, how are you presenting it to your existing clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things we've always been focused on is you know, not just having the whole source to pay Um, process, but also covering all categories of spend. So it's another area that a lot of people have kind of checked the box and say they cover services or direct materials, but they really don't. So we always have had a very viable solution, uh, including for direct materials management, and many of our customers use us to to manage direct or direct and indirect uh, materials. So what direct source is really going to do is it's going to allow us to really further improve our ability to handle the uh, direct materials management to the house and have more robust capabilities there. So for the customers that already purchased us before, it's a plus they're gonna have even more robust capabilities uh, for something that already worked for them but it's gonna get even better with this acquisition. Plus the expertise that we brought on uh, from the team uh, should help us you know, not just kind of copy some of the capabilities they had that we may not have been as good in, but you know, innovate further and add more things that you know, DirectWorks didn't have the, the capacity. They were a much smaller company, but uh, we have a much bigger budget and much bigger R&D team, so we can accelerate that.
0: So it's a seamless expansion of capabilities that, for the existing clients, will just add a, additional benefit to what they already have. Is DirectWorks in the acquisition of their organization – uh, how does that potentially impact new clients? Uh, how does that help you to uh, land new clients, uh, I guess is the best way of saying it.
1: Well, I think it, one, it demonstrates our commitment to ensuring that a platform can effectively address all categories of spend and to direct materials. We've had a lot of traction recently uh, in the manufacturing space in particular, and I think this is a, it's a further testament of our commitment Uh, to ensure that we're meeting the needs of manufacturers and really anyone with uh, direct materials. So I definitely view it's uh, an extra feather in our cap and it should help uh, convince our uh, prospects of our commitment to them.
0: Now, obviously, with acquisitions, this speaks to the bottom line is, is really what drives you is, is, is not, again, the market share, although that's a, a byproduct of a successful acquisition, of which, as we all know, there are not many But uh, when they are successful. But you're really uh, demonstrating a responsiveness as well. So future acquisitions, I would imagine, would be predicated upon the same principles. How can we add greater capability to our existing platform and add greater value to our clients? I mean, it, that's a safe way to put it. That is, yep. All right. Well, Alex, listen, I've got to tell you, the 30 minutes is up, and time flies when you have a great conversation, <laughs> as I like to say. I, I want to thank you for joining us. I know you're traveling, and I want to thank you for joining us today and, and look forward to keeping up on the Evaluist story. Take care.
1: No, oh, thanks for having me. Goodbye.
0: Okay, And to you, of course, the listening audience, as always, Thank you for taking uh, the. Well, I guess what you, what I would call, sharing your most valuable asset, which is as always, is your time. I want to remind everybody again that uh, uh, stay tuned to the Procurement Insights uh, website as well as the PI Window and World show uh, page for upcoming uh, interviews in the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, week or so. Another session in our uh, risk series, which uh, has been getting some great responses. So until I come at you over these virtual airways again. I'd like to wish you a good week and uh, talk to you soon. Bye for now.